Oh my goodness. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. Can you believe we're do still doing this? The new guys. We're still doing it. We just started. Um, I am one of your hosts. My name's River Butcher. I'm a stand-up comedian, an actor, a writer, a producer, a director, a first baseman, and a third baseman. <laughs> and I'm one of the hosts of this podcast that you're listening to. My other co-host is... My other co-host? Whatever. Yeah, anyway, my other host, the other host of this podcast, <laughs> is also here. What's up, Gabe? How are you doing? What are all your things? Oh, hello. I'm Gabe Dunn. Uh, I'm a filmmaker and a writer. Um, and I, I have to apologize because what happened was <laughs> we recorded uh, this whole episode, Just Me and River. Just, uh, this is a Just yeah. Me and River this episode. This is a Just Us episode. This is a hostful yeah. episode. This is a hosts only no guests allowed <laughs> fort that we've built and nobody yeah. knows that we recorded another episode you guys don't know that only we do <laughs> but but we're fully honest on this show <sighs> we recorded an episode and then i my file got deleted and we had i let me just i just want to say it, since it's lost to the ether wow it was so good it was the best episode we've ever recorded ever done uh it was so great and um we're gonna do the same topic now and i think now we have a clearer idea of what we want to say oh yeah we're gonna be way more efficient this time we're gonna yeah. get in we're gonna get out so that is the benefit of it and like Man, technical stuff. So I would say this, what, something else that has come out of this is if you are listening and you have a podcast studio that you would like us to use, please let us know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it would be so helpful if you and I could record in the same room together with, you know, like all the stuff and then with Logan with us. <laughs> right, that would be I so know. awesome and is a dream. <laughs> so, yeah. If you're one of those like, you know, super rich driving around in a Ferrari, you've got a podcast studio sitting in the back of your Ferrari. <laughs> and you're like, so I can't I what where could I use this podcast studio I keep driving around with? Uh well, I'll tell you, <laughs> you could use it for us. <laughs> oh god, mostly I'm sad that we lost the conversation in the beginning about our star signs, but I think maybe we can oh, do yeah. that in another episode. That could be another hostful episode. Well, actually, we should get some sort of guest, an astrologer guest. <laughs> I wrote that down. I wrote <laughs> okay, down cool. we should get an astrologer yeah. to do it for real. We did talk about that. I will say, because I, I, if if I was listening, I would want to at least know what our signs are. Let's not get into it, but I will say my sign signs are Leo mm -hmm. Sun, Leo Ascendant, Taurus Moon, and yours are? Gemini Sun, Taurus Ascendant, and, uh, and Sagittarius Moon. Okay, so everybody who's being like, but what are they? That's what they are. <laughs> We'll talk about them because that's what I would say, be saying if I was in my car or my desk and listening to this podcast. I'd be like, but you have to tell me. So we did. Well, honestly, the one person with the Ferrari with the podcast studio <laughs> in right. the back has already stopped listening has, and they're headed, they're headed right to over us. to your house. <laughs> that's right. They're, well, they're picking you up first because I assume they're yeah. over in your neighborhood and then they're going to wow. bring the podcast studio over here. Well, come on. Anyway, <laughs> so, so what we originally wanted to do uh, on this hostful podcast is we wanted to talk about a movie that is currently in theaters right. uh, and had a, a, a big debut and did a lot for, uh, you know, the theatrical releases, which I'm grateful for. Um, it is a film that we're not going to name, <laughs> but I will say that uh, the color pink is a character. 
<laughs> yes. <laughs> Not unlike how New York City is often a character in a film. Um, sure. And so the reason why we're not talking about it, and Gabe was correct about this, and I had some questions about it, and so I asked my uh, agent, because I saw some other um, actors and writers who I know are in SAG and the WGA, which you and I are in both, and so that's mm -hmm. why we're not talking about it. Um, going on podcasts and talking about movies. So I, I was a little confused because uh, we want to maintain the strike. The strike. But we also, it's not a boycott, you know? So like I encourage mm -hmm. all of our listeners to still go see films and watch things uh, because like then we prove that these things have value and our labor in them actually has value. Correct. So I found out from my agent that as a SAG member, and I'm speaking for myself, I cannot discuss struck projects, which means mm -hmm. anything current right now mm -hmm. is struck. So it's in theaters, it's struck, mm -hmm. I can't talk about it, you can't talk about it. So there's the clarity we need. <laughs> you know what we've done, River? And I'm proud of us. What we've done is we've taken obstacle after obstacle <laughs> uh, regarding this episode, and we said no. We're still gonna record. We're still gonna record. We're still gonna keep. We're still gonna keep it going. That <laughs> I think is the essence of the trans experience. Wow. <laughs> obstacle after obstacle, obstacle wow. after obstacle. We still say nope. <laughs> I'm gonna record this podcast episode. <laughs> well, I I think this will still be really um, good because oh, I think sure. we're now we're more current. So if you're listening to this, we just recorded this on yeah, Tuesday. We and really the episode just is coming out Friday. So we're actually on the pulse. We are on the pulse. Um, and speaking of that, um, and to... Uh, uh, switch uh, gears entirely. Switch gears entirely. But um, we de decided, we discussed this briefly before we started recording, that uh, I, I felt and Gabe agreed that it, I, I would be remiss if we didn't mention... Um, uh, Laura Ann Carlton, who was uh, murdered in Lake Arrowhead uh, over the weekend, or no, before the weekend, just before yeah. the weekend, um, outside of her store uh, by a man who was attempting to remove her pride flags. Um, she's a mother of nine and like a, mm -hmm. a staple of the community in Lake Arrowhead, which I have seen is very contentious. It's it's been a it's a beautiful place that I've been to, but it is it is one of the small spaces that contains like what feels like very polarized people. Um mm -hmm. and so I say that because uh what she was doing uh was a a powerful thing. I mean, it's always a powerful thing for anybody to put out pride flags, period. And especially if you aren't yourself <laughs> queer, I you know, know, but I will say at the same time, when you put those flags up, like you are, you know, that, but that's just my river's opinion. Um, and so to, to express that and express that so thoroughly uh, in, in a small space, like small community like that was a pretty powerful thing. And I know I have heard this was not the first time she's dealt with this. Mm -hmm. um, and I heard that, I, I heard what she said to him. I, I won't repeat it simply because it was like in confidence, but it was not a fight. <laughs> you yeah. know, like she was not fighting this man. Right. And even if she was. And even if cares. she was, exactly. But I just, it was fast, you know? And like, mm -hmm. it just is really, uh, it continues to be devastating to watch people's lives be lost. Um, and And to have this constant hypocritical, 
drum of you know like protecting property and all these like it's just it's just right somebody's life is more important than any of this stuff people's lives her life his life our lives yeah. like all of these lives like his life is so to to have to to be in, in a position to do that is just so devastating i think you know um and yeah. so anyway i've been talking for a while what what do you want to say again no i mean I I would like to say that it was shocking. Mm -hmm. I think I was, my initial reaction was shock because it, I don't know if things have reached a weird, like it feels like we got to this progress and then it's just one thing after another. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just the news cycle, but it just seems so like, weirdly backwards or scary or like now, I mean, you know, this is a thing that happens um, where people don't realize that, you know, they make all this legislation, they say all these things that turn people against queer people. And then it starts to affect everyone. Like it starts to like, I mean, it starts to affect cis straight mother of nine. Mm -hmm. It starts to affect like, Hey, this, this, you know, we make these laws against trans people and now this like cis kid can't get their medication. Mm -hmm. Like I, I think it has, it poisons the roots of society and it has like, so, not to say that like, oh, it only has to affect these people for people to care, but like it causes such darkness and like a, just like a, a cancer, like yeah. under like all of society um, and it's bleeding out. Yeah. Well, I mean, I th I think specific to this tragedy, I don't even know what word to use Truly. to describe it because it's like tragedy doesn't even begin to describe it. And I, I think you're right, Gabe, but I also, the the illusion that these things don't affect us, the illusion that, um, you know, uh, black people being murdered by the police, black people being over-policed, Muslim people being over-policed, immigrants, like, mm -hmm. that these things happen in a vacuum on our televisions or on our, te on our phone screens right. is the thing that I believe is breaking apart, you know, because in this specific incident, like, it's not just this guy thought this person was gay, so he killed them, like, which also Correct. happens. Like, this person was, like, blatantly unapologetically standing for queer people in a space where that is not okay it feels mm -hmm, you know mm -hmm. although i know many queer people that go there but like it's not lost on me that this is a i mean every place is a natural place <laughs> but like this is a a place in nature you know and yeah. this is like i see this as you know it's it's just like colonial settle settlerism you know like mm -hmm. se settler mindset that like this is mine i've been given this you don't and she, that was hers like she lives it like we nobody owns anything but it's like this belief that and that's what i believe all these laws and what laws of humans do mm -hmm. is they create criminals and non-criminals and that man is like, she's a criminal. This is mine. How dare you do this? And so that's why, you know, just to sort of harken back to, you know, like our Tuck episode when we talked about laws, like I, that that is to me what they ultimately do, you know, is they create us and them. Who's on the wrong end of the law, you know? And like, who is the law? You know, like right. then, then it becomes like, well, 
we aren't and they are, you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think that, I, I think you're right. I'm I'm saying all this to like agree because ultimately like, I, I think some people do have to hear like, hey, these bathroom laws are gonna make your life hell. Exactly. <laughs> like I wish that everybody could just go, oh, this is like wrong, but that's just not how all humans work, you know? Right. And so like, we do actually have to have this understanding that like, you're going to law and law and law and law until all of a sudden, I mean, it's that, it's that poem, like they came for the socialists. And I said, you know, it's, it's the same essential idea, you know, of like, well, who's, who's next, you know? Right. It doesn't happen in a vacuum. It doesn't (laughs) happen in a vacuum. He heard rhetoric or he saw things or, I mean, they showed his online posts and things like that. Like it, it fires up, it fires people up to feel entitled in the way that you're talking about. And it's, you know, they talk to her children and, and it's just such a, it's just so senseless and awful. And it just reminded me of all the, the people who support us, but how, how precarious that is. Um, so, I mean, yeah, like if you, uh, haven't looked it up, it's, it's Laura Ann Carlton and, and her children have been giving some lovely interviews as well. I mean, I just hope that, you know, uh, the the thing that they that that evil that forces of fear which isn't even a person you know but like acting within other people want is for us to go oh well i i'm going to stop doing that exactly and i i don't know this woman but i feel that i do and i think that that's not what she would want cuz that's not what she was doing right and i don't think you know to we have this highly militarized culture where like, you know, death is the ultimate sacrifice. And I don't agree with that. I think that life is. And that woman lived a very full life and a kind life and a giving life, um, not just to us, but to her kids and her family and her community. So I think the, the thing to look at is that I believe she gave in her, in her life out of, love and kindness and understanding because I don't think she put those things up because it was some uh, way just like showing off like it came from a real place of like love and kindness and 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 having people in her life that 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 affected um, and I think that's the thing that is the thing that that could end the the evil in the world you know because like this this person was overtaken by those things and and has been tricked into I mean, <laughs> killing somebody is just not the righteous path, you know. I I don't know. It's just it's You're a- saying the the killer had Yes, yes. been yeah, had been that's what I mean is that it doesn't come out of nowhere. No. So, Ugh. I know. I I send all my love and peace and kindness and just like healing to her family and her friends and her community um because it's it's just so sad you know it's just so sad i know i've been thinking about it a lot um and to i I don't know i just i i hope that i don't know i don't know what else to say about it you know what what i mean mean? like you don't you can't be like things happen for there's no like cliche to to even say (laughs) yeah i mean that they do happen for a reason and so what i don't know i don't know if i agree (laughs) (laughs) well we don't have to agree all of this is all this whole podcast is our opinions um, that doesn't mean that I think that 
she should be dead. I don't. That's right. not I what know. I'm saying. I know. Well, I, know. I just want to say that for anybody that thinks that it's just that. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Like her life has value. You know. Yeah. That's what. That's that's what I take out of that is that this woman's yeah. life has va- had value. I look to her family and the people who loved her putting that out into the world. That is. That's what I. That is the reason that I take from this is that like, oh to continue to love and live my life, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, it's so interesting. Like we've had conversations privately about not wanting to like, let's not address, you know, like, Oh, let's not address turfs. Let's not address like, but then it's so to like, to keep the podcast, like whatever in a sort of light space, but like, it's so hard. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that. I just want to be clear because we're now talking about it on the podcast. I don't want to, not address things and and it is not in the service of keeping the podcast light i just want to be very clear that that is not my that is not what i'm trying to say it is simply that i do not want to spend copious amounts of time Mm -hmm. talking specifically about turfs and Mm -hmm. talking specifically about uh right-wing idealism an ideology i should say idealism is not the right word right-wing ideology and online trolling and online this mm-hmm. and online that because that's exactly what they want. I am giving them not, they're not just living rent free in my mind. They're now on my podcast. <laughs> they're now right. in my heart and in my life. And so I'm not saying like to naively avoid it because obviously it has, it plays a role in this woman's murder. However, I just don't want to every week or every episode spend time talking about turfs because that's exactly what they want is to invade our spaces yeah and this is more just giving like a place of of honor to someone you know this week precisely and i I, that is not to say like that the ideology that it influenced this person to kill her it doesn't hold weight in this conversation it does this is actually a time when i think it's appropriate to discuss it (laughs) <laughs> but like yeah. on a just general like coming up all the time and like giving them stage time quite literally on our podcast. I just don't I think that does exactly what they want. Yeah, there's so many other things to talk about that we so also this episode we wanted to talk about like now. Well, initially the episode was about like this really affirming stuff. So we wanted to get into like this other piece of news right. that came out. Which which we should do after we should take a quick break. Yes. And we can come back to that. Welcome back to the new guys. Uh, so, wow, we're so timely. We're so uh, news. I would say this is a news podcast. It's not. The news guys. <laughs> the news guys. So this is a study that came out uh, uh, like a week ago that was from the National Library of Medicine. And it was uh, about regret after gender affirming surgery. Mm-hmm. And it got a lot of uh, press. It got a lot of hype. Um, it's showing specifically that the regret rate for top surgery was nearly zero. Um, it was <laughs> in one of the biggest peer-reviewed journals in the world. So I just want to talk slightly about methodology before we get into yeah. it. 
a lot of times with studies, um, they put out press releases, they get covered in the news. The methodology is shaky in the sense that they're like, okay, LGBTQ people say that they don't have uh, an interest in buying a home, something like that, right? And then you look (laughs) into the study and they talk to like 40 white people at Stanford. Um, And so they haven't, you know, you have to be very careful with where studies come from Mm -hmm. or what they're actually uh, saying. So I I was worried that we were taking this horse and sort of running with it. Um, But it is a a peer reviewed journal. It is like a legitimate study. So I just want to say that I am Mm -hmm. aware of the ways in which these methodologies are used, the ways in which these studies are promoted in the media. Um, and so we're not just like taking some Instagram post and being like, well, that's the truth. <laughs> yeah. And this is like, if you can't already tell by how Gabe is talking about it, this is like studies in this type of journalism is in your wheelhouse. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. <laughs> yeah, Big yeah. time. So I just want to put that out there for everybody, um, which is why you were like, I want to check this out for a second, which I think is mm-hmm. really important because uh, as we recorded the last episode, we even noticed as we were talking about it. And this is why... Like, I think internet stuff is always so, like, I have had to learn and continue to learn, like, as I read something, I need to slow down. And I also mm-hmm. am just like, doom scrolling is not great for me. And I'll, <laughs> I, I, because it's like, whether, you know, if I'm un- incapable of slowing down, I'm taking in that information, even if I'm not reading the article, even if I'm just glancing at the thing, it's going in there. So, yeah. anyway, all of that to say, um, as we were reading it, like the way, so this is from the Matt XIV, uh, you know, sort of queer influencer Instagram account, made a bunch of slides, which I'm going to read through. But I do just want to say that as Gabe pointed out, this is, um, the, the study is 1% of people regret their gender affirming surgery. And this influencer's page changed it to 1% of people regret their gender affirming treatment, which That language is very different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gender affirming treatment means hormones, means, uh, I don't know, hair plugs, means uh, facial feminization surgery, means many things. So we want to be very clear that it actually refers to surgery, even though the slides Mm -hmm. are saying something slightly different. That's a lot bigger. Absolutely. (laughs) And I'm open to, like, I look at this stuff because I don't want to just jump to, see, we were right. Yes. I'm open to all the the information. Yeah, yeah. It's important. And it it means Mm -hmm. something. Like, in language is important. Like, not to the point where... You know, we're tripping over ourselves and yelling at each other. But to the point where, like, saying gender-affirming treatment and saying gender-affirming surgery are two very different things. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. So uh, I'm going to change the language of the slides as I read it. Um, if anybody looks it up, just want to let you know. So uh, 1% of people regret their ge- uh, gender-affirming surgery. Uh, here are some other treatments with pr- treatments and procedures with higher regret rates. So we <laughs> compare the 1% of regret for gender affirming surgery to 12% of people regret getting a tattoo or up to 20% of people regret their knee replacement or 21% of people who regret their corrective spinal surgery or the regret rate across all surgeries is about 14% compared again Mm -hmm. to 1% of gender affirming surgery. Uh, And then we get into some other stuff that's not necessarily medical. 10% of people regret having children. 52% of people regret taking out student loans. Uh, And then we also compare it to 
Uh, and this one is like slightly different, I think, trying to prove a similar point, which I agree with, that the long term, and I'm curious what the terms of that are, regret rate for abortion is between one and five percent. And both of these, both of these meaning the abortion regret rate and gender affirming surgery regret rate are lower than the rates of regret for breast implants, knee replacements, hip replacements, tattoos, plastic surgery, surgery overall, student loans, marriage, and having kids. So that that last one to me sort of proves what my my feeling on this is, which mm-hmm. is it's nobody's business what anybody does for right. their own healing and their own life. That is between them themselves their family their creator whatever they want that's between and and it is not up to me to Uh say they should or should not it is only up to me to love and care for them through their healing through their regret through their affirmation whatever it is (laughs) because to me this is like a giant uh rolling out of i told you so and it's like dude nothing nothing is healed with i told you so Yeah. I mean, I think it's just depending on what we've normalized. Like I am, you know, I said I'm, I'm in a Reddit for plastic surgery stuff just because I'm curious about it. Mm -hmm. And like a lot of people regret nose jobs. A lot of people regret, you know, all kinds of stuff, plastic surgery. I'm in a tattoo regrets subreddit, (laughs) which I don't know what says this says about my psychology. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, also, you know, we regret is such a strange word. Like, yes, I don't love this tattoo on my wrist, but I'm not like harrowed by it, <laughs> yeah. you know, like it's fine. Uh, and also, you know, you mentioned long term and we were talking about, uh, this as well is that we, I want to, uh, make a point to say long term because we got into that in the other episode and then we came to it sort of in that episode, um, that we lost, but now we, I think we are clear on it is that, when we were talking about long term, it's like, what does that mean? Like, yeah. does that mean like you interviewed someone and they said that they regretted it six months after mm-hmm. or did they regret it five years later right. or did they not even let's say not regret it five years later, but then come to regret it <laughs> yeah. 10 years later? Yeah. And I think you see that with a lot of um, like not to go back to nose jobs, but people will have get a nose job. They'll post about it and they'll say. I don't know. I regret it. I'm freaking out. Mm-hmm. And people will say, I'm assuming people across all uh, ideologies will say, hey, no, there's something that happens when you change your body or you change your face um, where you feel very strange because you don't look the same. Right. And you will you in in give it a year. They literally write, Give it a year and you will love it. I mm-hmm. promise. And it's this these people who I wonder every time I see that, how they how they would react to someone saying, I don't know, my top surgery is freaking me out a little bit. Well, I mean, I think that's what we are here for each other for, you know, and right. like that that's what I'm hearing. And and also just to, to sort of address the long term thing, I think that gets used against trans people a lot because there's not data on long term, you know, uh, regret rates and all this stuff. And it's like, again, I, it, that doesn't matter. Like you can't tell some, like it just isn't, it just isn't a good reason to say like, well, you might regret it later. It's like, well, that's, that's life. (laughs) You know, that's that's life. That's truly life. Like you actually have to go through things to understand yourself, you know? And I, 
didn't accept myself as trans for a long time based on a lot of the thread of that of 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 that like no one was directly saying that to me but it was like well you might regret it and i'll mm -hmm. tell you I, it's hard i don't want to ever say like well i regret waiting so long but i do <laughs> you know like i i wish that i would have had the resources to think about but everything in my life happened for a reason and it happened mm -hmm. the way that it did and i believe that reason is so that i can say if someone believes at 16 years old, at 18 years old, at 20 years old, that, that they need gender-affirming treatment, surgery, whatever, they need it. Because I know that I needed it at four. <laughs> and, yeah. and I needed to be accepted as something that I was at four years old, you know. And I say this a lot, um, and it's like what you're saying, too. Uh, no choice is a choice. Yes. So sitting, sitting back and regretting and, and not moving forward uh, that you might think, well, I don't know what, I don't know what to choose. Yeah. That's a cho you've chosen. 100%. That's a choice. Exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, I think there, I, I think like a lot of times people are worried. Like I had this right where I was like, well, I just wish that I had boobs sometimes and didn't have boobs other times. And and you hear that a lot from people. Who sure, are, yeah, like, yeah. I don't, yeah. I'm certain. I'm sure that I felt that way at a certain point too. And now I like as soon as they were gone, I was like, "That's ridiculous that I ever had these." <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. My experience of when they were gone was, um, and I think like that. I really want to focus on like our experiences as opposed to like other people's, just so that because I think that's what gets lost, you know, is that like we're constantly putting ourselves in other people's hands, ourselves being trans people, whether it's the medical community that supports us or doesn't support us or lawmakers or just other people. Like we often don't have trans people around us to support us and say like, yeah, I felt that way too. But like after I had top surgery, I didn't, I knew I didn't want my boot. I knew that I didn't want mm -hmm. them when I knew they were going to happen. I didn't want them before they happened. I have a whole joke about it and a special that I don't know if it's ever coming out, but you'll hear that. But like, I didn't want them. I didn't want them when I got them. I didn't want them when I had them. I didn't want them when people told me I, they liked them. I didn't want them. And mm -hmm. even so I didn't know how much I needed them gone until they were gone. And I couldn't know right. that until I did it. Mm -hmm. And so I say that to anybody that's like on this edge, you know, that it's like, and I, I, I shared this in the episode that we lost. And so I'm going to share it again because you guys didn't hear it. Only we did. When I had top surgery, I came home and, you know, you're coming off of a lot of drugs and stuff. And so I was very groggy. And I don't remember if it was that, that night or the next night, but there was a moment that I was with just myself in uh, in my room like recovering and i was overcome with this sense of like grief and i was afraid that it was regret and instead of staying afraid um mm -hmm. cuz i have i have a spiritual practice i was in that and i was like maybe i just need to feel this maybe i just need to feel whatever this is and not mm -hmm. turn it into anything maybe it's just bigger than anything i can really understand you know this emotion and this feeling yeah and i just and i was like maybe it is i don't know and i felt it for i don't know how long it wasn't long but it was deep you know it wasn't a long time but i allowed 
myself to feel the depth of that. Similar to, I feel like, what these people are on, on Reddit are saying about nose jobs, which is just like, right. hey, just feel it. Like, this is a common thing, and we go through this, and I promise you it's going to be different. And I share that for anybody that has top surgery and has that feeling and gets scared that it's something else. It Maybe it's not. Maybe it's just there to be like, to go away. Because that was my yeah. experience. And I, I truly have not felt a moment of regret or even grief to that depth about it since. It's funny because I was thinking last night, uh, like we were watching the Bachelorette finale and she was like, this is the biggest decision I'm ever going to make in terms of getting engaged. And I was like, have, have someone with a broken engagement. I was like, not really, because you can kind of always take that back. If she had to get pregnant tonight, that would be, you know what I mean? Like if she had sure. to decide, like kid, you can't take back. But it's yeah. alone. You can't really take back. All well, right. Yeah. Uh, but it's Getting also, married. it's like, you can always it's a big decision. <laughs> it's a big decision until you make the next big decision. You know, like yeah. the thing about like getting older and I just turned 41 is that you realize that like, there's no big decisions in that they're all big decisions. Yeah, and that exactly. like I make a big decision, they, then I make another big decision. And, and it's like you're saying, Gabe, it's like no decision is a decision. So it's it's all relative is the thing and like to uh -huh. to outlaw you know that we were talking at the beginning about like how this affects other people and it's like y'all that's why abortion and trans healthcare are essentially the same thing because it's healthcare and right. they will take your they're already taking your healthcare away it's so privatized that you you have no choice in what you in what healthcare you receive Right. We're going to get into that in a second. We're going to get into that did. in a second. I will say, okay, because I have tweets that I wanted to talk about, but oh, yeah, I okay. will say, I will say that for me, I did not have uh, an issue with my boobs. I was like very like, you know, wore outfits to show them off, was very like fine with them. Um, and then I, w when I had top surgery, I had no regret. I had mm -hmm. no problem no grief no mm -hmm. nothing about it I was like which like I, I definitely could have because yeah. there were people I was dating who then simply did not want to date me anymore and like I could mm -hmm. have been like whoa it made a huge mistake <laughs> so yeah so I I have had just uh I have had no regret whatsoever mm -hmm. uh and like now you can't stop me. I'm shirtless. <laughs> I realized yeah. I'm shirtless in like every Instagram photo. <laughs> like I'm shirtless in my house. Like we were just sharing a hotel room with like a friend of mine, like me and my boyfriend. And I was just, she was like the, the quickness with which you get into the room and take your shirt yeah. off is so funny. Um, and like, I just, I, I think that there was that feeling of sometimes I want them and sometimes I don't. And for me, that was like, I had to convince myself a little bit where I was like, well, if I get top surgery and I really regret it, mm -hmm. I'll get implants. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the thing is like almost everything is like lightly reversible. Not mm -hmm. that I want to like give that, but like to me, it was a little comforting to be like, well, you know, if, if I, if I get them taken off and I'm like deeply upset about it, or I regret this whole trans thing or whatever, <laughs> I'll just get implants and it'll be fine. Yeah. Like I don't, I think like, and that's how I feel about like my dumb tattoos mm -hmm. or like, that's how you feel about like any, you know, that's why I'm saying student loans and kids are really the only ones you can't take back. And even kid, you can kind of give it away if you want to. <laughs> oh my <God>. So <laughs> I'm just saying, um, so, 
so yeah, uh, I just think like sometimes people get held back and not to, and we're again, not here like proselytizing top surgery. No, but we're just sharing our, but that, but the thing is like, there's enough as we've already discussed fear around it. And so exactly. I think the thing that I want to do on this podcast that I think we're doing mm-hmm. is just share that our, our experience has been positive. Exactly. <laughs> and that, exactly. And that it is just, it, and I just would like to be a force for good, which is like the reason I was able to go towards these things is that people sh- did exactly what we're doing with me. Mm-hmm. And, and I, f- I found the right people who didn't tell me what to do but they told me what they did and how they felt about it and how their life was different and that they had an experience that lined up with mine, an internal experience. That's also the thing I think that I would love to emphasize too for people who are listening who are trans or who are not and love us and want to understand our experience more. Um, And I also just want to shout out to anybody that's listening that's listening to do that because I think it's also important as cis people to gain experience and you can't ever be an expert because here's the thing I'm not. So how could you be? So I, I really appreciate people who, who want to gain sort of passive experience because I don't like being grilled on things. I don't like being asked on things. I don't like it when people are trying to be an ally by constantly talking to me about trans things. Like I am also just, a guy <laughs> and yeah. I, I would love to have that not come up you know in mixed well, that's why especially this in show right mixed public uh uh company like you are outing me by bringing this stuff up and so i just want to also offer that um and so i lost my train of thought because i went on a whole tangent but the uh, just talking about the positive experience that i have had since going towards these things for myself that are constantly being debated and so I also just want to offer that what you and I are doing right now is not this is also why I don't want to bring up, you know, like turfs and things like that is because I don't want it to be a debate because this isn't a debate. And while these slides offer proof that these numbers of people who regret are not that high. And also I have love and empathy for those people. And I hope that they find the healing that they need, you know, in in their journey of regret. But like someone's regret is not proof or or evidence that anything needs to be regulated like that right exactly nothing is fair in life but that's not fair and that's not how things work (laughs) you know like this isn't this isn't like a faulty um engine piece in a car that a car company knowingly put in there thinking that people will die and they'll just pay it off like the these are people's lives and it's us um affirming ourselves our internal experience you know accepting ourselves and doing what we uh feel is right for ourselves and i'm not telling anybody else what they should do or should not do and so i wish the same yeah i mean ban student loans if you want to do that (laughs) well yeah we don't even need to ban them we just here's the thing it's like we don't need to ban things we don't need to get rid of them we just offer education like that is actually the opposite force. Like I'm not nitpicking what you're saying. I'm just saying like the changing the perspective and the thought as healthcare is universal, which means mm-hmm. everybody gets what they need when they need it. You walk in someplace, you get it. You need an education, you walk in, you get it. But that's like not how capitalism works. No. 
Uh, you're right. Like edu- more education before you take out student loans, less well, emphasis. We don't on wouldn't even that. need student loans if we had. I, what I'm saying is universal education. Education is free. You don't need loans. Right. We, that's what I'm so like. I'm removing the structure of loans. Period. Okay, so I want to read these tweets that I have saved from years ago that I have thought about a lot. Yeah. And I don't know how I feel about them, but I saved them and I sent I sent them to you because <laughs> I was like, I don't I still don't know what I think about this, but it has stuck in my brain. Yeah. So this is someone on Twitter. I don't want to like send any hate or anything to them. So I'm just going to read the tweets. It's not a triumph for trans people to get the surgery they feel they want. It's a triumph for market-based healthcare, which centers the paying customer and utilizes their desires to mask the market's extraction of wealth from trans people as a personal choice. And then the person goes on to say, basically, like, gender affirmation surgery is neoliberal because it was created in a healthcare industry. And that, like, if we weren't, you know, punished for gender nonconformity, then we wouldn't have to, you know, do these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have thought about that tweet a lot. It's literally my <laughs> favorites folder. I think about it all the time. It's really living rent free up there. <laughs> it really is because I do like to think deeper about things. Yeah. I do like to go like, okay, I like, like that this about is you. society. Thanks. Um, and I do like to be, you know, I am open to being wrong, which I know people don't think that about me, but it is true. <laughs> oh, oh, they don't think that you're open to being wrong. Nobody thinks I'm open <laughs> I, to being wrong. I thought wrong. you were making a joke like nobody thinks I'm wrong. <laughs> oh, well, and that's what people would think I would say. Um, but I'm actually a really open-minded and um, thoughtful person. Uh, and so I, I was like, okay, you're right. Maybe if Maybe we have commercialized and corporatized and, and, and privatized something that now we're being sold uh-huh. transness in order to make money for a, a healthcare industry. And I did think about this in the sense of like, there are people who are surgeons who had, who would do top surgery five years ago when it, they didn't, when it wasn't like done a lot, let's say they would do it for uh, $5,000. And then now, as it's become more of an option for people and more people know about it as an option and more people need it to feel like themselves. And honestly, I will say for myself, there have been times that things have happened where I've thought if I didn't have top surgery right now, I would have killed myself. That's happened, I would say, twice since I've had top surgery and I've only I have had top surgery like, you know, whatever, a year, uh, uh, December 6th. And so, like, if... And I have thought the exact thought in my brain, if I did not have top surgery right now, I would have completed this. Mm-hmm. And so the so those doctors now can charge twelve thousand dollars, yes. can charge fifteen thousand dollars and people become that becomes their niche. And then they're like, I'm the top surgery doctor. And they become that famous on TikTok for that or whatever it is, uh-huh. which is like there's a couple people I can name who have done that. They're marketing themselves. So I'm like, OK. That sucks. Yes. In that these people can now charge a lot more for their work and creating sort of a, a, a like a niche capitalist. Oh, there's more people who want this, so I can charge more and fill my schedule. And that that didn't sit right with me. But here's the thing: to interrupt, Gabe, that yeah. is not the fault of trans people. 
<laughs> no, it's the fault. Of, like, it's the fault it, of privatized healthcare. Yeah, and there is no ethical consumption under capitalism. Correct. So, so that that goes all the ways. Like mm-hmm. that means that I cannot ethically consume my gender affirming healthcare, which is why I am not like constantly talking about my doctors and all that because like I I am under the forces of capitalism to do this as right. we all are. It's like when people are like, oh, you're a socialist, you, nice iPhone. It's like, what? being a socialist doesn't mean I live on a dirt farm. <laughs> like, that's capitalist thinking. You know, like, th- that is capitalism coming out of your mouth. And so yeah. I actually, like, I don't fully disagree with everything this person's saying. I'm not like, this is dumb. But I, I disagree with the premise that and and I, I can even agree with, yeah, it's not a triumph. Like, yeah, there are no big decisions. There are no triumphs. But I, my liberation is not someone else's decision. I also think it's interesting that this is this has this person has chosen to highlight trans surgeries as being an issue with like, of course, capitalism and privatized healthcare. when you could say the same about beauty standards. You could say the same. You could say the same about, about literally anything. <laughs> right. Because and, and other surgeries that have become you know, more popular buccal fat removal. You could say this about co-living. You could say this about co-living, that it is not a triumph of co-living that people are doing this now. Like, yeah, it's not because we still have to do it under a capitalist system. And so, yeah, I agree with that. However, I disagree that trans gender affirming surgeries are a neoliberal product. They are not like they are. It's happening inside of that system in the United States that did not start here. It started in Germany. (laughs) Right. You know, like it started a long time ago. It's, again, a lack of awareness, which, of course, not everyone has because, of course, uh, you know, and we can beat this drum, bang this drum as many times as we want that, like, our records of, like, uh, you know, sex surgeries, Mm -hmm. because that's what it was called before, got wiped out by the Nazis purposefully mm-hmm. so that people would think things like what we're talking about right. <laughs> like it that this it is new had a, this yes is, yeah. precisely that uh surgery that and, and and yes there is a part of me that of course i wish that our society and our culture uh wasn't so gender conforming but that's presuming that every single person who gets any sort of gender affirming surgery is getting one to conform and that is a faulty belief like that's just not true and it's very limited um and i also want to just shout out to uh jules gill peterson who is a tremendous writer just period so you should always be reading everything that they write um but they wrote an incredible piece for the baffler in october of 2022 uh, called Doctors Who, uh, which the subhead is Radical Lessons from the History of DIY Transition. Now, um, wow. and, and it has a beautiful sign under it that says, we know more than our doctors. And I'm not going to quote a bunch of it. I just highly recommend that people read it um, because there is a long tradition, a long tradition of transgender uh, community DIY transition. And that's actually where it started. You know, like, and it continues to be. And that's why I personally am not, like, beholden to the system that I I have transitioned in. And I respect any transition. And I just don't believe that, I don't actually believe that my cisgender doctors understand my transgenderness more than they, more than I do. And it is, I do it in collaboration with them. And that's because it's the system that I exist within. 
So I, I kind of like, I, I don't, I'm not like this person's an idiot and the blah, 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 blah. But I also am like, there are flawed, limited views. And I think there was a tweet in there where they're also like, I don't know. This is just something I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, I also want to offer that, that this person is not like, I don't like trans people <laughs> or whatever. Right, right, they are, right. And, and it's like, yeah, this, I think it's a valuable, um, like thing to think out because look at all the stuff we're talking about. But I just think like, who is, who are you blaming in this system? And it's like, you're not blaming, you're, you're blaming the, the oppressed group more than the system that they're functioning within. I also think if I wanted to get surgeries to conform, it would have gone the other direction. I did. I have (laughs) lip filler. I have Botox. I got a breast reduction before I had top surgery. I did medical things to conform to being a woman. I did that. And uh, it wasn't the thing. Right. As it turns out. But you know what? The the doctor who did my reduction made money. The doctor who did my lips made money. Like if I was if I was I think if I the things I'm doing now are actively not conforming. <laughs> right. I know. If I wanted yeah. to have an easy conforming life, I was headed that direction. Sure. Yeah. And I and I decided that when I go to the beach, I'm going to have scars under my nipples. Right. And people will happen to see that. I went I went to the beach and I wasn't thinking and I walked over to the bathrooms without a shirt on. And as soon as I got away from my group of friends, I went, uh oh. Right. And I was like, well, and I and I kept going and I waited in line for the men's room with my shirt off. And I I don't think I was imagining certain people staring. Yeah. And I, mean, you'll never I was know. like <laughs> I was like, well, like the thing is, there's this phrase, this saying, this cliche thing, like, do you want to cover the world in leather or do you want to put shoes on? And it's like, well, I've never heard kind that. of that, you know, and it applies to a lot of things. It's like, why, why do you take it upon yourself to, to tell trans people how they should or shouldn't conform or not conform when it's like just none of your business again? Like, I remember I was in Texas doing a show and oh, this person, you know, I, I felt whatever I was, I was being willing to share about, it's difficult because I talk about these things on stage and then people think that I want to talk about them incessantly in my, you know, at dinner, (laughs) but it's like, no, I talk about this on stage. So I don't have this conversation, but whatever. Um, so people, you know, this person was asking me questions and, and I said something that led her to, you know, I was like, I don't think I was born in the wrong body. I think I was born into the wrong society. And, Mm -hmm that is you know for me the leather shoes thing so it's like i put on shoes because i can't i'm not powerful enough to change the whole thing but she was like oh so are you saying that if you were born into a society that accepted you as you were you wouldn't have to have all these surgeries and i was like uh, bu, 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 bu. <laughs> that doesn't right. you, i don't know this is that's the thing is like this is all truly so deeply rhetorical you know mm-hmm. like and and it relates to all the stuff we're talking about it's like how much are we going to debate this? How much are we going to speak in rhetoricals and like things that aren't actually happening instead of just looking and accepting the person in front of me that's saying, I need this and going, okay. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I'm down. Like I'm definitely down for questioning. I'm definitely down for, for, I don't know this per the person who's tweeted his identity. You know, there could be a sort of trans pick me situation where it's like, I'm trans, but I'm not, I'm, I'm thinking thoughts. You know what I mean? Like could be that. And, you know, I guess I'm thinking now you could say the tattoo industry yeah. is is something where, you know, we're taking advantage of drunk people in Vegas. 
And we should really be making laws to protect those drug people. Like it doesn't. Well, yeah, but we already do. You know, it's like it. Right. We are. It's our. And, and even the tattoo industry was something that started outside of any sort of exactly. Business. It was just people doing this thing for each other. It also has a long indigenous tradition across many countries. Right. Indigenous to many countries. So it's just like we once you pull the thread at the thing, like you really can't. You know, like it just keeps moving around. You know, and like. So at a certain point, the thought experiment just becomes like, well, <laughs> are, are all trans people neoliberals because they're getting, no, like th this is ridiculous. You know what I mean? It's just like. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing with, you know, we talked about in the beginning property, like it's, it's autonomy yes. for some, but not for others. And I get to decide who has autonomy over their property and who doesn't. Right. And if they're if they're flying a let's go Brandon flag, that's fine. But if they're flying a pride flag, no. Mm -hmm. But also, like, I want to have a gun. But if a trans person is is posting, you know, you sometimes you see trans people who believe in protecting themselves with guns posting something about it. And then people are like, no, like it's it's very and we'll get I have so many thoughts on on this sort of for for me, but not for you situation, which I think will be great for an upcoming episode we're doing with Alicia Rothweigel, who's an intersex activist. But just the, the, the Twitter point, like, I think, uh, you know, th they're not wrong that these things are happening within the system. And I do think I would offer as trans people and as people who, you know, wish to be radical, like, we do need to be aware of the fact that this is happening. And, like, I that's why I highly recommend that article by... Uh, Jill's Gil Peterson, because like we are not beholden to this system. We can use it to our benefit and transcend it. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I can't give you a blueprint for that because each person's thing is different. But I, I don't believe I don't put my full well-being in the hands of doctors because they mm -hmm. are part of this system. And I, I take in information and I make my own decision. You know? Yeah, and Devin Devin Price is also a really good um, Instagram person to look. Or they're a doctor, so I shouldn't say Instagram person, but uh, they're like a very smart author, and uh, and they have a lot of good resources on mm -hmm. like DIY trans stuff. Um, but yeah, I just I think going back to like my own personal experience, I think that I was on the fence for a really long time because of being okay with how I felt. And I think mm. that there's a lot of people that will write in or will message me or I see writing stuff where it's like, yeah, I feel okay. But you can all, I would offer that you can feel great. Yeah. For me, after top surgery, it became so natural so fast. Oh my like, God. It yes. became so natural. <laughs> and when I, when I took the, I was worried that when I took the bandages off, I would feel it looked bad. And when I took them off, I was like, this looks mm -hmm. great. Um, not that my my doctor also, because surgeons are a specific way, was also like, wow, I did a great job. <laughs> uh, you know, very congratulatory to himself. Yes. Um, it feels very natural not to have them. And I can't believe that I ever did. And like, I felt fine. I felt okay. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that I was as happy and as comfortable as I am now. And I look back at old photos of myself and I think there are photos where I thought I looked good and I thought I looked happy and I, maybe it's projecting, maybe it's whatever, 
but I'm like looking at my face and the face that I thought was happy. I'm like, well, this doesn't quite look as happy as I thought it did mm-hmm. in, the t- in the moment. <laughs> yeah. I look, there's something weird here. Like it looks, I don't think it's dysphoria of looking at my old self. I think it's sort of like, huh, I thought that I was really okay here. And I, I can look now and be like, maybe I, w- yeah, like this, it's not what it is now. Right. And it just became so natural and comfortable so quickly. And I will say also that when I was younger, I thought, and this is why I got a breast reduction first, because I thought, well, I don't want to have not have boobs. I want to have small boobs, like small boob icon Misha Barton. And I was like, I just want to have, or anytime there was a girl on The Bachelor that was flat chested, I was like, oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Like, I wish I was a girl with a flat chest. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, "Uh uh-oh, we're here for you. Yeah. That's why we're here. I mean, yes, I I, I feel very similar ways. And I I also just want to offer that, um, you know, like the the nose job stuff. And it it doesn't everybody's experience is their own experience and feelings, you know, and fears should not stop you from being yourself, you know, and that that applies to, like, I think everything in life, (laughs) Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. but um. I used to say, like, if you've thought about top surgery m- more than twice, you probably want it. <laughs> and yeah. you will probably benefit from it. Because I, like, this is not the same thing, but I remember saying to one of my cis uh, uh, friends, who is a AFAB person, woman, I think, I don't know. Anyway, uh, I was like, wait, you don't think about standing to pee all the time? And she was like, no, I never think about that. And I was like, oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's not that you have to check all these boxes, but it is. You have to check your own boxes is the thing. Is like what what I what I realize is sharing the thing with with I needed to find safe people because the thing is I kept sharing these things with people who couldn't handle it, didn't like it, didn't want it. And and I kept going to the wrong sources, and I came by that mm-hmm. very honestly. So it was like, again, everything happens for a reason. I needed that to then go, oh, not everybody's like that? And then I started to be surrounded by people who, like, loved me for that and, like, mm-hmm. weren't mm-hmm. afraid of it and said things like, no, dude, I never think about that. And, like, not in a dismissive way, but in a, like, no, dude, like, <laughs> that you're a dude you know like yeah and and like loved that about me you know and like weren't afraid of it didn't make it about themselves that was the other thing i think that's a really like toxic and hard thing for us that we find people who are like yeah but i want to be in a relationship with a woman mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm, like i don't mm-hmm. what you were talking about regretting losing people and what i've realized is like oh they're not along for the ride you know, like that. Yeah, it did. I didn't regret but it. But I did. It was fine. You know, I didn't. I didn't know that at the time. I thought I needed to maintain so that I didn't lose something. You know, exactly. And what I've learned is losing the thing is part of the th- like. Oh, I didn't. I didn't need that. That actually wasn't supposed to be here. Just like my boobs. <laughs> and at what you gain. Like you're yes. not. You're thinking too much about what you lose, and you're not thinking right. about what you gain. And also, I would say that's. It really opened my eyes, particularly when my friend Brittany Nichols, who uh, uses she, her, and, like, I think is identifies as genderqueer, but it fluctuates. Like, that person getting top surgery or people that I knew in my life getting top surgery or getting 
it started to make me be like, right, this is just one of things you can do to feel good about yourself. Yes. And it doesn't have to mean a whole thing. Yeah. So that was really eye-opening too. Yeah. It gets to mean what it means to each person that does it. Exactly. And that is like, to me. Hard to study. Hard to study that. It's hard to study that. It's hard to quantify that. It's why trans people exist because we say you can't quantify this. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like it, what what you just said, what I'm saying, I think is what sort of denies the premise of the tweets that we were talking about is that like it's it's actually to each person's experience and to me that's very liberating because it's operating within a very limited system to allow for the liberation of the self of 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 a person of the spirit actually not the self like because this is not about myself this is about Mm -hmm. my spirit so um I don't know. I think we've had a really beautiful conversation about this, and I think it's better than our first version. <laughs> I hope so, because yeah. I felt so guilty. Oh, don't. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it happens, obviously, uh, technology and things. I do want to say before I forget and before we fully wrap, because I will probably forget, I'm going to be in Seattle September 15th and 16th back at the Hereafter at the Crocodile. Uh, four shows in that <laughs> little movie theater thing. A lot of fun. I hope if you're in Seattle... You come and you bring friends. I would love to sell it out. And then I'm also going to be at JFL uh, Toronto um, the last weekend in September. And if you happen to be in Dece- uh, in Denver this weekend, August 26th is the date. Uh, but it's this weekend. I'm at the Grolix in Denver. So you should come to that. I think there's a couple tickets left for that. So please come to those shows. I would love to see you. All of those venue names are wild. I know. Um <laughs> Well, I'm also, I'm at Just Between Us podcast and Bad With Money podcast. And I think by the time this airs, I will have launched my Patreon. So patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn. I had a Patreon. It was not, now it's going to have like content all the time. I'm back, baby. So it's the Patreon's just you and then all the things that you do. Yeah, well, and and extra content mm-hmm. and writing and a bunch of new stuff that you'll be able cool. to see if you go to patreon.com slash Gabe S. Dunn. Did you know it's a strike? Please subscribe to my <laughs> Patreon. Okay, love you guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this podcast is edited and produced by Logan Castrodali. Music by Atlas Bishop. Art by Maya Scarpa. Email us at thenewguyspodcast at gmail.com. Bye.